Hi, everyone. This is Scott from the Stuff We Love podcast. On this episode, Jack and I will be discussing the film Avengers Endgame. There will be spoilers in this episode. Repeat, there will be spoilers. If you have not yet seen Avengers Endgame, hold off on listening to this episode, go see the movie, and then listen to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome to Stuff We Love podcast. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Stuff We Love podcast. On this episode, Scott and I will be talking about arguably the biggest movie ever, Avengers Endgame. As always, we will conclude this episode with our very popular Stuff We Love segment. So let me meet the host. I'm Jack. I'm Scott. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. The Stuff We Love podcast is sponsored by Autoslash. Autoslash is a website that you visit if you are either interested in renting a car or already have rented a car but would like to save money on that car rental. When you book at Autoslash, they apply every coupon code you are eligible for, and they apply it to your rental. Autoslash searches a wide range of codes, including publicly available codes and special membership-only codes if you indicate you are a member of, for example, Costco, AAA, or other memberships like credit cards or frequent flyer programs. After the initial trip is booked, does Autoslash keep you posted about car rental prices for your trip? Autoslash will keep you posted on any better deals they find in advance of your trip. They keep on looking for better deals right up until your pickup date, which is absolutely great because rates often drop as the pickup date approaches. So if they find a lower rate, they email you so you can rebook and save. And something cool you were telling me about, Scott, is that if you do have an existing car rental reservation, you can use their tracker service. So in order to do this, you just go to their website, enter your reservation information, and Autoslash will email you with better rates available for your trip. And the average user is saving about 30% of their typical rate. When you think about what the typical costs are for renting, this makes a big difference. It does, Jack. And as a matter of fact, for my upcoming summer trip to Walt Disney World, I was able to save close to $200 on my car rental. Autoslash has been featured in the New York Times, Condé Nast Traveler, and on the Today Show. Visit them at autoslash.com and tell them that the Stuff We Love podcast sent you. It is now time to discuss Avengers Endgame. As Scott mentioned at the beginning of the episode, there will be spoilers. So here we go. So, Endgame has done worldwide, and this is as of one day, May 1st, at around 9 o'clock, has done $1.4 billion worldwide, to be exact, $1.481 billion worldwide, smashing literally every record known to man. It beat the Thursday record, it beat the Friday record, it beat the Saturday record, it beat the Sunday record, it beat the weekend record. It's arguably one of the biggest movies ever, like I said in the intro. Domestically, it's made $427 million dollars. So I'm going to give my quick review of it before we dive into talking a little bit deeper about this stuff. Sounds so good. overall, I love the movie. Absolutely loved it. I saw it three times. I saw it opening night, and then I saw it with my family on Saturday, and then I saw it again with some friends on Sunday. And each time I saw it, I was in tears when the movie ended and loved it throughout the entire process. So just to get it over with first, because there's not much to talk about here, I want to talk about what I disliked. So one thing I disliked about the movie is possible plot holes. Now, some of my friends who are really into the time travel stuff will talk to me for like an hour explaining how all the time travel things they were talking about is completely correct and true. But there do just seem to be a little bit too much variance. And even if you can explain it to me for an hour and at the end I can figure out how it's actually true, it just seems to be a little bit too complicated at that point. I feel it introduces too many different tangents, which is maybe what they were trying to do, but it just confused me a little bit, their explanation in the movie. And then by the end of the movie, I, and I saw it three times, I'm still a little bit confused how the time travel works, what they were actually doing, and how it's going to affect future movies. Because 
if this time travel thing is true and you can, for example, when they had brought Gamora back from uh, 2000, like what was it? 2009, then 2009 Gamora back to the present. Mm-hmm. So therefore it is like death, not apply in the Marvel universe anymore. Right. I can just go back in time and pull any character back into the status quo. And therefore they never died. It just opens up a little bit too many plot holes for me. Mm-hmm. So, it, it creates a world for me which is a little bit too confusing. And I understand they introduced it with Ant-Man and the Wasp, the quantum realm and time and all that stuff. But I feel like they should have done a better job explaining it or just simplified it a little bit more because it still is very confusing. And I feel like that's the strongest, or in this case, the strongest plot hole, but the weakest part of the movie. And so I understand they had a lot to cover and they had they need to accomplish a lot, so they used time travel to do it. But I'm just worried about what that spells and if it creates too many inconsistencies within the Marvel Universe. The other thing I disliked is Captain Marvel. And I mean, I don't necessarily love the character as a whole. I feel like the character was just kind of shoved at us because they didn't tease her that well. The first time we saw her was at the end of Infinity War. And when the when um, Director Fury uh, signs off on that, I guess, I don't know, it was a pager or something to, to get her attention. Um, that's kind of the first time we see her. And then she's just kind of forced into this movie. And people who I've spoken with, they just feel like she was kind of just forced in. Like we saw her right before Endgame and now she's in Endgame. Like she's the strongest hero and they just don't really know where she came from. And so maybe they should have done a little bit more teasing that character, but it does feel a little bit forced in this movie too. Mm-hmm. A couple scenes that were a little bit annoying, for example, it's the beginning of the movie when they're talking about, you know, how to take down Thanos and they figure out where he finally is. And then she goes, I'm going to go kill Thanos. Right. And then they're like, Hey, we have to do things as a team. That line was just a little bit annoying. I'm like, okay, come on. What are you doing here? It was just a little bit annoying. Um, so I didn't I didn't love Captain Marvel in this movie. It's gonna be very interesting to see how the, the movie how these movies play out in Phase Four for Marvel. And this is something we're probably gonna talk about more because there have been a lot of trade offs we saw. We saw Captain America pass the shield down. We saw uh, now since Iron Man's gone, who's gonna step into his shoes? There are theories that it's the kid from Iron Man Three who's gonna be doing it. There are theories that it's his daughter. So we're gonna be interesting to see how Phase Four works. But that's a different discussion. Now on to some of the things I absolutely loved. Overall, I love the movie. I thought it kept my attention the entire time. It didn't feel like three hours, and I was on the edge of my seat after seeing it for a third time still the whole time. The best part of the movie, why I feel the movie is so strong, is because of character development. Disney did a great job, or I guess this is specifically Marvel, of creating these characters, obviously, with the, th- with the help of Stan Lee, who got his last cameo in this movie, but then also developing these characters so, so well. And in Endgame... Their send-offs are absolutely amazing. And before I go into what the send-offs were and why they were so good, I just feel that other movie franchises should take note from Marvel for how they develop these characters and how they sent them off. Disney, for example, uh, Star Wars, for example. We, we're a huge Star Wars fans here, but we've criticized Star Wars in the past just because we didn't like how the, the older characters were developed into these new movies and how their send-offs were. You know, like uh, Han just being like, stabbed on a bridge right. and for, for no reason. And people have discussed how Leia was sent off as well. There are concerns there. On the contrary, and while there are critics for this movie, don't let me get them wrong, but at least from my point of view, the send-offs in, in Marvel and in any game were amazing. So start with Black Widow. Black Widow, uh, we're going to finally get a what was obviously going to be a background movie on her now that's coming out I don't know in, in the near future, probably uh, one or two years, I, I assume. Mm-hmm. Black Widow, what we know about her is that she was like this secret agent, um, and she's really tough. And she had a tough upbringing, but now, and like she talks about in the movie, how this is her family now, and this is all she's ever wanted, and she always is trying to do better for them. I feel like it was a perfect send-off for her to sacrifice herself for the rest of not only the Avengers, 
to bring her friends back for, for the rest of humanity. This is someone who her whole life just wanted to be part of a family. And with the Avengers, she finally felt that. So her ability to sacrifice herself to help her family, to help the rest of the Avengers, I have the feeling it just seemed, and this just logically flowed, that this would be a very fulfilling experience for her being able to sacrifice herself for her team. And so I feel like the send-off was great for her. Um, the relationship between Hawkeye and her has been has been not only teased through these past 20 movies, but has been flushed out very flushed out really well and then also in this movie they do spend a lot of time talking about their relationship which makes the character development and the send-off that much more meaningful and significant which is why it was so good iron man i mean i feel like that's one of the best send-offs in movie history we have seen throughout these past 20 movies in the marvel universe iron man he's always like the selfish guy and it's always been like his his story is him moving away from like his selfishness selfishness into more of a selfless person and we see it with iron man 3 we see it in iron man 2 and his relationship with pepper and how she tries to keep him grounded but in this movie it is the perfect uh ending for anyone who is team iron man over team captain america because captain america's criticism for iron man was he always cared about himself he'd never be the kind of guy to land on a, a, a jump in front of a bullet or land on a grenade and that's exactly what iron man did in this movie and so Iron Man's always perceived as this more cold per- character who doesn't actually care about others. And this movie com- and the ending completely changes that. One of the most powerful scenes is when after he like discovers the end to time travel, which I should have included in my dislikes, that scene was very bad. All of a sudden it flashes to him and he just goes, I solved time travel in five minutes. And you're like, right. come on. But um, So I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But after that scene and he's talking to Pepper and he's like, I can just put a pin in this. We don't have to go any further with this because he expects that it will be you know, a hard mission to survive. And she says, but will you be able to rest? Like, will you be able to live with yourself knowing you could have helped people and you didn't? And that, I feel like, summarizes Iron Man better than anything else. Even though he has this facade of being very, like, cold and not caring about other people, when it came down to it, he literally sacrificed himself for the rest of humanity. And so it was a fantastic ending for him. It was extremely emotional. The line at the end when he takes the the stones and goes, I am Iron Man, it's such a great moment. So his send-off was absolutely amazing. And then last thing I'll talk about before Scott can jump in and talk about what he thought or any of the things I've mentioned is Captain America. So this movie I feel like was great because while it was a very sad movie in that you lost a lot of the characters you loved, it was also an extremely happy movie. None of the deaths felt like empty deaths where they didn't mean anything, which is kind of what I felt like in Star Wars when Han Solo died. It felt like every person died for a significant purpose. They had sacrificed themselves. And it was just such a great send-off to these characters. When he came to Captain America, he had a little bit different of a send-off, which I felt was appropriate because if every character just died, it would be a little bit – it wouldn't mean it be as significant. But he got a unique send-off. He got to – you guys are all familiar – go back and uh, he went back in time and finished out his life with Peggy and got married. And we don't know if he had a kid or not, but you could – I guess you could assume maybe he did. And the last thing you see is that scene him dancing with Peggy. I, mean, I feel like if people weren't crying – by the time Iron Man died, they were definitely crying by that last scene because it was just, it was it was happy tears at that point. And so the movie did a great job of balancing like so many different emotions. The thing my dad said when we got out of the theater was, "I'm emotionally exhausted" because that movie just like runs through every single emotion you could possibly have. Mm-hmm. And so his send off was great. Uh, again, something they fleshed out so well throughout the series, his relationship with Peggy, and then also through the TV shows that the TV show that they had. This is why the movie works so well, and why other movie, why other movies should take note. It's not just about what you do to characters in one movie. It's about how you're able to build up these characters over time and then give them an appropriate send-off. And Avengers was able to do that. And so because they handle the characters so well, at that point, the movie's 
uh, as is why I love the movie so much. I gave it a 9.9 out of 10. My only critique being the time travel plot holes. Scott. Jack, that was phenomenal. I mean, there's a lot to absorb there. Uh, I'm going to uh, begin by making sort of a general comment about my approach to Marvel movies overall. And then what I'll do if it's cool is just uh, take a couple of your points, give my own thoughts on them. So with regard, Sounds to, good. with regard to me and Marvel movies, uh, I've seen every Marvel movie except for Captain Marvel. I have not seen Captain Marvel. I will see that just to complete it. But when these movies first came out, I went pretty much opening weekend to all of them. I rewatched a lot of them, bought a lot of them. And then it got to a point somewhere along the way, I really don't remember when, but I kind of felt there was a bit of oversaturation. I think I've talked about that on the podcast. And as with anything that you have too much of, it starts to get a little stale. And I actually stepped away from the Marvel Universe for a little bit. uh, And that felt good. It kind of was nice to take a break. And then I got back into the movies. And I think my appreciation for the Marvel movies went up because of that. Stepping away... And then returning to the film franchises made me realize just how much I enjoy these movies and how much they mean to me. So I went into Avengers Endgame. We had talked prior to my seeing it, Jack, and you had mentioned that people were crying in the theater. And a lot of my Twitter friends were sort of alluding to that, too. And I didn't know why that was necessarily the case. I knew the characters would die, but I thought to myself, oh, it's a superhero movie. I don't know if I'm going to have tears in my eyes. Well, I could tell you that by the end of the movie, I had tears in my eyes. Uh, this was a, an absolute emotional roller coaster. Uh, and before I get to the emotions of it all, I, I want to begin by responding to your point about the time travel and the fact that that was one of the negatives about the movie. By the way, I give the movie, I'm with you on the 9.9 out of 10. I really can't find anything that negative about the movie that would bring the rating below that. I did not feel like I was sitting through a three hour movie. I've sat through 90 minute movies that feel longer than this did. Uh, so I, I love the movie. That's the first thing. Time travel overall has never really resonated with me as a plot line. Uh, I find most of the time it's used, it gets very confusing. It gets very far-fetched. Here I found it to be a little bit easier to understand than some other movies. But to me, when I think back on pop culture and time travel, Back to the Future to me, the original, is the easiest example of a movie using time travel and it being sort of understandable by the audience. A lot of the other times it's used, I'm just left totally confused by it, uh, and I'm not a huge fan of it. I also really liked time travel when it was used in the Stephen King book 112263, where somebody goes back in time to stop the JFK assassination. But until that, until Avengers Endgame, I really never resonated with time travel. Here, I kind of got it a little bit, but it was definitely a bit confusing, and it's a lot to take in. So that's a, that's a, that's a negative. But Jack, something that you said I think makes complete sense And I'm kind of surprised to say this out loud because I didn't think about this after Avengers Endgame. You mentioned that we all love Star Wars here, and we do. I mean, we talk about it all the time. I actually think I may overall even prefer the Star Wars universe over the Marvel universe, but I love it all. When Han Solo died in uh, The Force Awakens, I was in the movie theater. I was watching it. I was surprised. I did not really see it coming, although I was nervous when when Han and Kylo Ren were standing there. I just kind of got a bad feeling, but... I kind of remember gasping. The audience was really surprised, but nobody cried. At least I didn't cry. I don't remember anybody else crying. And it didn't have the emotional pull as when Tony Stark died, when Iron Man died in Endgame. When that happened, first off, you meet his daughter earlier in the movie. And 
you look at him not just as a superhero, but it's hard to believe that he's now a father. Then you see the, uh, during the time travel sequence, him interacting with his dad at the army base in New Jersey. And all of these, by the way, were clues that he was going to die. <laughs> I mean, it, looking back on it now, they're all kind of could be seen as clues. And then during his death sequence, the fact that he, he basically gave his life to save the world, and then Gwyneth Paltrow's character, Pepper, is with him and says, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And I, I'm actually tearing up just kind of thinking about it now. It's, it's really amazing. And I think what that scene, along with a couple of others in Endgame, made me realize is just how much these movies mean to me over the years. There are some I was not a fan of. There's some I really loved. But they really have been a part of our lives for so long that the character of Tony Stark, as played by Robert Downey Jr., he's been... I mean, for, for over a decade. And to see him die on screen, it, it hurts. It really hurts. And the, Jack, you want to add? Just a quick jump in on that. When you yes. mentioned that one line with Pepper, I think it was not only that line that you mentioned, uh, it's going to be okay, but then that other line she said, uh, now you can rest. Yes. Not, alluding not only back to when they were in the living room talking about it, but just like throughout the whole series. Like, and she, she always talks about how her biggest failure has been trying to slow him down because he's always just moving. He's always just trying to create things, trying to solve things. Mm -hmm. And so you've seen his life work be about constantly trying to help others. And so that line it did it for a lot of people as well, yes. uh, the Now You Can Rest line. And just to uh, jump in real quickly, I feel like another reason the movie was so strong, and this has to do with what you just said, is because of the dialogue. The dialogue mm -hmm. was really good. I can pick out maybe one or two lines where like I cringed after them or like didn't think it fit in. But the rest of the movie, the dialogue was absolutely superb, which made all the uh, exchanges between people, all the uh, deaths, um, super emotional because the, the writing was amazing. Yes, the writing is amazing. And when you look at it against the Star Wars universe, even though the dialogue in the Star Wars films has definitely improved since episodes one through three, it's, it's a stronger dialogue in the endgame. As a matter of fact, I actually have always kind of preferred the scenes in the Marvel movies in the Avengers movies in particular, where the characters are interacting with one another to the fight sequences. Uh, I love the interaction between the characters. Uh, and that is a strength of the Marvel universe over Star Wars without question. Uh, so when Tony Stark died, it, it really hurt. Uh, when Black Widow died, your respect for her as a character went even higher, but it didn't have the emotional pull. And I think that's just because Tony Stark and Iron Man, that's the first Marvel movie that made up this universe. Uh, so I, I love that. And then with regard to Captain America, one of the things that that scene made me think of where he comes back as an elderly person, even though it's a completely different story and not tied in, it kind of reminded me of the scene in one of my favorite movies, Field of Dreams, where a young baseball player comes back to the baseball field built by Kevin Costner's character, and Kevin Costner's daughter starts to choke on a hot dog and this young player, who later on in his life would become a doctor, steps off the field and foregoes his baseball career and ages right there in that scene, played by the elderly Burt Lancaster. It's the idea of a character choosing to age, basically, to take a different course in their life where they give up their youth and what all of the strengths that youth brings and are willing to age for the benefit of a life experience. So Captain America... It, that to me made perfect sense. It just, that, that's another thing about the movie. Everything made sense. The way it was wrapped up was so beautiful. Uh, like you were saying, I think, uh, again, we're talking about how good the dialogue was. There's so many things you could pull out. Another line that was really good was when Captain America was sitting on the bench after he had aged talking to Sam. 
And I mean, that whole exchange is really great, but like the two lines I'll pull out. The one was, um, he goes, I went back and tried some of that life that Tony was talking about, alluding not only to his life that he was hoping to have, but his relationship with Tony Stark and how much respect he had for him. Right. And then, and then Sam goes, how was it? And he goes in like the most sweet tone. And he goes, it was beautiful. And that's something that the movie just did really well. Mm-hmm. It's just, even though it's a superhero movie, you think, oh, it's comic books, it's dumb, it's not important. It displayed a lot of like the things that really make life beautiful in a in a comic book movie, and did it with characters who everyone connects to. Mm-hmm. So that that's why it was so emotionally significant. And then that other line that was that was awesome was when he goes when he shakes his hand and you see the wedding ring, and then he goes, "You want to tell me about her?" And he goes, "No, I don't think I do." Yes. <laughs> was, it was just the most fitting Captain America line. So it was a great Captain America line. The other only other thing I'll say that for me was one of the most memorable moments in any Marvel movie is during the final fight sequence. When all when when things are looking bad for the Avengers, and you think Thanos might walk away with a victory, and then out of nowhere, all of the characters come back, one by one they appear on screen. Uh, I've talked to people who saw it in theaters, and they said the audience was cheering. Then, not for me, my theater was completely quiet. <laughs> but one of the things that I realized during that scene is there were so many characters. I knew every character and I just forgotten about them. It's such an epic movie. I, I'd forgotten. Oh yeah, that part, that character, that character to see them all return. Like I, I honestly, I wasn't even thinking about Black Panther watching the movie. He didn't really show up till towards the end of the movie. I didn't even think about it. And then he comes in. I'm like, Oh, Black Panther. I totally forgot it. You know? So I thought that was really, really well done. That's my quick overall take on things right now. I loved it. Loved it. Absolutely. And, um, I don't think even if you were the biggest critic of the movie, I feel like every single person got goosebumps when they had that scene and every single hero came in for the Marvel Universe. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying about everything making sense, these movies have been going on for close to a, a decade now. And it's been like 22 movies, 20, yeah, I think like 22 movies. Mm-hmm. And for everything just to come full circle, I mean, it's hard to find another movies franchise which has put 22 movies and close to 10 years in to tell this one giant story. I, I mean, I'm relatively young, so I don't think I'd know every single movie series that would do it, but I feel like that's something unique that sets the Marvel Universe apart in this one context. Obviously, they, they're now working on like new phases, and it'll be interesting to see what direction they take it in. But if you look at the span of what they've been doing over the past decade, I mean, I think that's one of the most impressive things that's ever been done when it comes to movies, working from 10 years in the past and projecting where you're going to be, creating all these characters all to come together at the end. Like you said, it just made sense when you're watching the movie. Mm-hmm. It just felt so fulfilling. And like everything that was happening, you're like, yeah, that's right. That's right. That's how it should be. And not in a predictable way, like, oh, I knew that was going to happen, but more like it was just extremely fulfilling to see it all happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that there's no other film franchise that even comes close to 22 movies the ones that stand out for having a lot of movies would be the Harry Potter films, which I guess comes in at nine. Right? There were because one of them was a two-parter, Deathly Hallows. Yeah, yeah. And then you got Star Wars, where when you add up all of, but that's different too because there's some. I don't even look at them as in the same category. Yeah, like some of them are prequels, some of them right. are other stories, some of them are. So it's not as this has been this has been uh, a decade of smooth storytelling. Um, with 22 different movies, right? M- many of them different stories related around different characters. And I feel like most people did not appreciate what was happening in the, in the Marvel universe when they were watching, say like the, the third movie in the series or the 10th movie in the series. Right. But now after you've seen that movie and you realize, gosh, they've been working towards that for the past decade. You're like, that is so impressive. And the fact that they ended it so well in Endgame 
it just it it feels justified. It feels right. Something that I really liked about Endgame is during some of the time travel sequences, how they brought you back to these memorable moments in the Marvel universe. For example, we had another Captain America elevator scene. Uh, so if you remember, I guess it was was it in Winter Soldier where the first elevator scene took place. Yes. So on Twitter, I was talking to somebody had tweeted, I forget who it was, that the Captain America elevator scene was the best Marvel scene ever. And I wrote back and I said, you know, I, I kind of agree with that. I remember watching that for the first time, thinking to myself, oh my, this is, this is amazing. This is, yeah. so I love the fact that they had something similar, but without the fight that ensued in the Winter Soldier movie. Also, um, that famous camera shot from the first Avengers uh, during the Battle of New York, where it's kind of that circular camera shot and it goes around, the, that was done again here. It was kind of like a greatest hits of a Marvel movie, but they weren't relying on the old films to carry the story. This was still, it, it, it needed to be done that way to enhance the going back in time plot line. Absolutely. And if, if our viewers have some time, they can go on YouTube. Someone made a video called 209 Easter eggs in Endgame. And they're not so necessarily Easter eggs, but it's just all the different allusions to other films there have been. So one particular example, whether it's in dialogue or scenes, like you were talking about, one particular example is when, Captain America at the end is going to return the Infinity Stones to their designated uh, time. And Bucky says to him, uh, or Captain America says to Bucky, don't do anything stupid till I get back. And Bucky responds, how can I? You're taking all this stupid with you. And most people thought, oh, it's just a witty dialogue. But it actually goes back to the first Captain America movie where when Bucky is going off to war, Captain America says to him at that time, just regular Steve Rogers, um, don't do anything. Or Bucky says to him, don't do anything stupid till I get back. And Roger says, how can I take it on the with you? Mm. So there's so many of those things, but they literally use the same lines, the same kind of interactions and scenes and placement over and over again that you from other movies and so many illusions. And definitely check out that video if you have time, because it's really cool to see all this stuff. But like you were saying, there were just so many great illusions to other movies, and it just made it seem even more and more full circle. And one thing I do want to point out as well is something you mentioned in your review was talking about those two scenes when they go back in time, Iron Man when he sees his dad, and also Thor when he sees his mom. Oh, yeah. There were so many mothers who were crying during that scene when Thor saw his mom because like – and that's another thing. The movie just touched everyone in a a different way. And same when Iron Man saw his dad. I mean that was one of the coolest scenes, and I really did not even think that that was a possibility before the movie. But him going back and seeing his dad and meeting him and talking to him – and this was also a little bit of foreshadowing when his dad says, I hope it's a girl because then it's less of a chance it's going to turn out like me. And Iron Man says, oh, well, what's so bad about that? And he goes, well, my own uh, needs have have rarely come in between the, uh, they rarely come over the need of the greater good. Mm-hmm. And it's foreshadowing because Iron Man will do the exact opposite at the end of the movie and put his needs last mm-hmm. in terms of the greater good. But that whole sequence, him interacting with his dad, the hug he gives to dad, his dad at the end, the introduction to Jarvis, who is his chauffeur, his chauffeur was the first time we saw where Jarvis originated from. It's just, it was so cool to see all the things they did, how they connected all the movies, how they were able to work with all the characters. And it's, it's one thing, when it's a good superhero movie, it's another thing when you feel like you have a personal connection to all these heroes and you feel like they're real people with real stories and real experiences. And that's why this movie was so good. It was able to accomplish a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, not perfectly, not without some blips, but overall just well enough that I think it'll go down as one of the best uh, franchises of all time and Endgame being one of the best finales. There's a lot of I still want to say here that's coming to mind. First of all, when you just said how 
it's going to go down as one of the great franchises of all time. You got to give props to Bob Iger over at Disney for the intellectual property purchases he's made for the company. When you think about what they've acquired under his leadership, not just with Star Wars, but Marvel, 20th Century Fox, it's really what this means as Disney fans is it opens up so many different exciting things to think about for the future. Just a quick, uh, just a quick thing on that. Yeah. Uh, if any guys in the podcast go online and search up Disney, uh, infinity gauntlet, there's a very funny meme that came out with, uh, Mickey mouse wearing the gauntlet and having different icons as each of the infinity stones. So like Marvel is one of the infinity stones. Uh, star Wars is one of the infinity stones. Like Simpsons is one because Disney's just kind of, <laughs> Disney's a new Thanos in a way, but it's just a funny note. Toy story land. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Slinky dog. <laughs> but um, by the way, total side note, I've been paying attention all day to the Hollywood Studios 30th anniversary stuff. A lot of stuff packed. going on at Disney World. It was packed. packed there. The line yeah. for the merchandise alone was anxiety inducing to watch. Yeah. But uh, two other things that I wanted to mention about this movie. Uh, one, I thought the musical score was beautiful. Someone had tweeted about that going to the movie. And honestly, I- I've never really looked at the Marvel scores in a memorable way. I didn't have anything against them. They just never kind of stayed with me the way John Williams scores from Star Wars or Potter, for example, do Harry Potter. But I guess it was Alan Silvestri wrote the music for Marvel. And I think he actually wrote the orchestral score for Back to the Future too. And I thought it was beautiful. I thought it just, the emotional scenes, the, the music added a punch that resonated with me. And during the action sequences, they just interacted with the plot lines very well. Something else that the Marvel films do really well, which Endgame made me realize, is that they really combine the best of the new generation of actors with the older generation of actors. And this has really been a strength of actually both Star Wars and Marvel. It actually kind of, I think, stands out even more in Marvel because of the bad dialogue in so many of the Star Wars films. There you have great actors like Harrison Ford and uh, the late Carrie Fisher, and they were great and iconic characters. But overall, the, the dialogue in the Star Wars movies tends to be cheesy, especially episodes one through one and two to me. But in the Marvel Universe, here, it's like they brought out everybody in the world that was in the Marvel movie. And it's a, it's a nonstop parade of celebrities. So not only do you have actors like Robert Downey, Chris Evans, Chris Pratt, Scarlett Johansson. I mean, I could go on and on and on for the younger actors Although Robert Downey Jr., he's not a kid, but still. You also have an older core of actors that have notable roles in the series, like Robert Redford, Michael Douglas, William Hurt, and a couple of others that, to me, add add to it tremendously. Because their acting skills are still so good that it just... I I remember seeing Robert Redford in Winter Soldier and thinking to myself, oh, this, this adds something to the movie. This adds legitimacy. And it also adds depth to the acting performances. He's good, and he also brings out the best in the other actors. So that is a big strength of the Marvel Universe. Uh, Another thing that I loved is after the movie ended, the credit sequence at the beginning, when they went through all of the actors that were part of the Marvel Universe, and particularly with the big names like Chris Hemsworth and Scarlett Johansson, they had their autographs on the screen, and it culminated with Robert Downey Jr., which is, of course, exactly how it should have been. Absolutely, I agree. And this has been a strength, of you, like you said, of Marvel, and I would argue even more of a weakness of, of Star Wars, their ability to introduce new characters like super well. For example, when they introduced uh, Spider-Man, immediately after Spider-Man Homecoming and Infinity War and Endgame, you felt a, like you could understand their relationship between 
uh, Tony Stark and Peter Parker. You just felt like they were like very close. Mm-hmm. You felt like they they actually cared about each other. And this is something that Endgame explores: how a large motivation for your, uh, Tony Stark is to like save uh, the kid, as he calls him. Versus, if you think about Star Wars, for example, when they introduce Rey and they try to work on the relationship between Leia and Rey and also Han and Rey, you don't really feel like there's that much there. So as a result, it's hard to be as emotionally connected to the movie uh, in contrast to Marvel, where you felt very emotionally connected to the movie because you felt like that relationship between uh, Tom Holland's character and uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character was was real. It was something that was tangible. And so, like you said, they're able to introduce so many new characters, connect them to the old characters. So as a result, Sam fan. I love Iron Man, and now I meet uh spider-man who i who i know that they have a great relationship between iron man and spider-man so i also like spider-man even if i didn't already like him on my own Mm -hmm. and so it makes the universe overall just way more succinct and way more uh concise and uh together than i feel like a lot of other movie franchises would ever be able to do yeah so i mean with star wars we we don't know exactly what's going to happen with rise of skywalker in december this year but i want to see and i think it's cool and i'm interested but i honestly don't feel any emotional connection to it in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I, just, I want to know what happens. Yeah. But I don't feel the same emotional connection that I do to, for example, this Tony Stark death sequence and uh, seeing his family earlier in the movie. I mean, it just is what distinguishes Marvel versus some of the other absolutely. movies. Absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you, Jack, when we look ahead at what's coming out, so we know that the Spider Man movie coming out this summer sort of begins the next phase of Marvel movies. We know that there's a transition in characters that are coming in the Captain America role and we'll find out who the new Iron Man is going to be. What are you most excited for and what are you most nervous about as a fan? That's a great question. I am most excited about um, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Black Panther. I feel like those movies all on their own grew a tremendous amount of hi- tremendous amount of hype. All those characters fit super well into the Marvel Universe. I love all those characters. Everyone is. I feel like everyone I talk to is so excited to see Doctor Strange have more of a role because everyone think he, thinks he's just so cool. Everyone loves Spider-Man. I mean, Black Panther speaks for itself. It was an awesome movie. Mm-hmm. And I might just add real quick. Yeah. We were. I, I had a fairly low review of Black Panther. I wish that they had used some of the fight sequences that Black Panther had in this movie, in his own movie, and I would have liked Black Panther way more because some of the fight sequences he had in Endgame were absolutely amazing, like mm-hmm. super cool. And I wish I'd seen more of that in Black Panther. That's neither here nor there. So I'm most excited for those three characters and to see how their leadership roles evolve in that franchise and to see how those movies progress. Anything that makes you a little nervous or hesitant? I'm a little bit nervous with Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel, I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes. It was rated as the lowest audience score of any of the 22 Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. And that includes movies like Thor, Dark World, and The Incredible Hulk, which... The Incredible Hulk was relatively early in the Marvel Universe, featured a different lead actor, and Thor The Dark World, which people just do not like. And so it's still the lowest rated audience score. And so I'm cautious with how they're going to introduce Brie Larson um, and how she's going to fit into the movie with Captain Marvel because the fans just – Although the movie did really well, review-wise, the fans just do not like that that character as much as the others. Going back to something you said earlier in our discussion, it, it did surprise me too just how big a role she played in this movie. I mean, she comes in and interact in her, in her interactions with the other Avengers. To me, she acted kind of unreasonably. I, I would think that she should have shown a little bit more restraint and common sense. She was, I mean, but then again, I guess you're trying to show her as young and confident and all of that. But it just... Uh, and then even during the final fight sequence, how her emergence from the sky 
changes everything. They really gave her a lot of prominence in this film, more they than did. more than most other Marvel characters actually in the whole universe. People are very critical of how little of a role Thor played in this movie, for example, because this is one of the large criticisms I've heard, mm-hmm. how Thor is like fat in this movie, right. and how in the last couple of movies they've hyped him up as like being one of the strongest Avengers, like through his like whole lightning ability that he has now. And yet in this movie, all he has is like a braided beard and a big belly. And so people were critical of that. Um, and yeah, but like you were saying, he could have played a larger role, but instead Captain Marvel did most of the heavy lifting. I was rewatching uh, Infinity War. And at one point, Thor does like the same move she did through a ship. He like zooms through a ship with his hammer. Yes, and, but it wasn't him doing it in this movie. It was Captain Marvel doing it. So you can clearly see they're trying to shift some of the things around um, and introduce new characters. And so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. One thing I am excited about also, I'm excited to see how uh, Valkyrie does, who's like the new leader of the Asgardians. Mm-hmm. I think she's a really cool character. I like her and, a lot. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she's, she's really cool. I love her relationship with the Hulk. And uh, that line she has when the Hulk comes to Asgard or new Asgard, as they put it, she's like, I liked you better in either of the other ways. I thought that was pretty <laughs> funny. So I like her character a lot. And so I'm, I'm excited to see her role move forward. It's also going to be interesting to see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. There's a new Gamora now. It's not the same Gamora. Mm-hmm. It's the Gamora who didn't experience any of the old things. Right. So another concern I had, so what? Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, they just we just ignore the fact that Gamora's in that movie because she doesn't remember any of the stuff now. So even though she's in all of them, it's like, and this is when, like you said, the time travel gets a little bit confusing. It's easy to understand, like Back to the Future, like it's all one timeline. You just don't want to like interact with any of your former selves, something they they joke about in the movie. But now it's like, no, there's alternate timelines. It splits. There's alternate dimensions. There's there's like tons of versions of yourself of yourself. Like they were fighting the the 2000 or the 2015 Thanos, not like the more recent Thanos. And so it was just a little bit confusing. And so this that kind of gets back to the time travel. But like, I'm interested to see how Gamora's character plays out. I, I kind of just like let it go in a way. I kind of yeah. just let the plot be what it yeah. is. And it, it, one of the complaints about superhero movies is that no superheroes ever stay dead. So <laughs> yeah. in other words, it's like you just got to go with the flow, basically. That's kind of a big concern for me because like you're saying, there's always the classic criticism that superheroes never stay dead. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think we know some superheroes, superheroes are going to be gone. Iron Man's gone. I wouldn't necessarily write off Scarlett Johansson at this point because, I mean, Gamora died from the Soul Stone right. and she's back. So I it, thought about that, yeah. It's like, it's like, can you just, and this is the biggest plot hole for me. If you can just go back in time and bring that person with you, there's death literally does not exist in the Marvel Universe because you can just go back to any time and bring that year's version of that character back with you. Yes, they won't know what happened in between, but the character's still alive. So doesn't really matter. That is true. But one of the things, I think there was even a line about it in Endgame. There's a, that's the way they sort of try to deal with that situation in time travel movies is that even something like that, bringing back a character who is deceased by going back to a time when they were alive and bringing that version in could forever alter the universe. So it changes everything. So like in the Marvel sort of way of thinking, let's say Robert Downey went back and brought back Black Widow. Bringing back Black Widow could actually somehow in some bizarre way mean that Robert Downey Jr. never has a daughter. You know what I mean? It's like that's the way. I agree, though. But the problem with that is what they they said in the movie that this is what the Hulk said at one point. He goes, when you go back in time, uh, your past becomes your future. Somebody said like in the future becomes your past. And he was concluding that the actions that happen in the past are not going to affect what's going to be happening in what you'd consider the present. Mm-hmm. So in that case, it wouldn't matter if you brought back Black Black, Black Widow. It wouldn't affect uh, the, the 
the present that they're already in. So I feel like it, there's just a little bit of contradictions there because they make it seem like you can. There's no effect on on anything if you bring them back. So I don't know. That's the only concern I have with the movie. Hopefully, something. I don't know if someone can write an article about this explaining how time travel worked in Avengers. That'd be amazing mm-hmm. because I'm pretty confused myself. But it, it is. Confusing. I think I I agree with you. I think it's something you just go. The movie was amazing. We're just going to let the time travel thing go and right. accept it. No, that's yeah. true. I, I want to say something also about Thor because, to, again, I love the movie. I'm only mentioning this as a negative because we're talking about it. I wish that Thor, for at least some of the movie, had more of an aggressive type role. Uh, it makes sense that he would be struggling emotionally after what Thanos did to the world. I get that. And Thor has always had sort of this comedic sense to him. Thor uh, Ragnarok, for example, is one of the funniest movies in the Marvel Universe. To see him overweight, basically an alcoholic almost, playing video games like we would do. <laughs> Fortnite. Fortnite. It, uh, it seemed, I get it, but it seemed to be a little bit too much. It's, I think I would have not played it out as much as they did in the movie. Uh, it seemed kind of strange to me. And even when he got back and rejoined the Avengers... If I remember, he didn't lose the weight. You know what I mean, right? He didn't lose the weight. Right. And so people were upset about that. People were hoping that when he would do the lightning thing at the end, he, the weight would be gone and his hair would be back to normal. Yeah. But obviously that didn't happen. I think the only reason they, they did that is because he's obviously going to play a role in the later movies. Yeah. So they figured, in term, think of his character arc. Like he kind of, uh, he, he had a, hit a huge peak when it came to Ragnarok and Infinity War. And now they need to have him dip a little bit just so they can go somewhere with the character. Right. Right. Like if he's already at the top, like he was in Infinity War and Ragnarok, there's really nowhere else for him to go right. character wise, character development wise, because he's just the best. So if they put him in a little bit of a lull, then they're able to cre- kind of come up with a newer story to kind of push him back out of it. So that's the only reason I think they kind of let him be irrelevant in this movie because mm-hmm. he's going to be involved in the other ones. I was not expecting to see uh, – what's the character's name? Jane? Natalie Portman? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Her in the movie, that was a surprise. But the story I mean, we talked about earlier, but uh, Renee Russo, who played Thor's mother, that interaction was was very powerful. Oh, that was really cool. Both those, her, and then also with Iron Man and his dad, they were they were great. And the way that his mom, Thor's mom, knew that it was future Thor because she saw him yeah. in his best shape and basically said, "The future's not been kind to you." Yeah, which I thought was really well done. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I. I I guess the only other thing I want to say about this movie is that not since maybe Force Awakens, and I think even more than that, being part of Disney Twitter and part of the fan community online, this has been a very sort of satisfying fan experience for me. And I think for a lot of people out there, I've I've really seen great content on the internet, articles that have been written about the movie, breaking it down, analyzing the film. I've read interviews with the directors and the writers. And I just think that it's sort of like a great time to be a fan of this in the 21st century. I think there's so much available to us for analysis where you could go as in-depth as you want or as non-in-depth as you want. And I just love talking with people about the movie. I really have enjoyed getting people's thoughts about it. I always make a point of closing my office door if I talk to people about it because you never know who hasn't seen it. (laughs) Even walking into the movie, there were people walking out talking about the film. And I literally, I'm not kidding, I put my hands over my ears. (laughs) Something else I wanted to share. Jack, I know I told you this in one of our text messages after I saw it, but I saw this film at my local movie theater. It's kind of like a 10plex, I guess. Not an AMC theater, but a smaller set of theaters, kind of like you would have seen in the 1980s. And they told me there that I saw it on Sunday night. 
They told me that since Thursday night, over 7,500 tickets were sold just for the Avengers alone, which wow. I can't imagine they sell 7,500 tickets in, let's say, a two-week period or three-week period yeah. for all their movies. And they were also sold out of a lot of their snacks, which is, wow. I think is proof that this is a big deal. So one of the articles I read actually said that when people saw Endgame, it may stick in their minds the way people remembered where they were when they saw the original Star Wars. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. Like, I'm always going to remember that when I saw it and what it was like in the theater. I'm always going to remember that you saw it three times opening weekend, which is the most I know <laughs> for anyone, which is awesome. And uh, those are my thoughts. Anything else you want to add, Jack, to this? No, I just, I, the last thing I'd say is just, not only did Endgame send off characters so well, but it was just such a happy movie, I felt like. Mm-hmm. Because everything was so fulfilling. And then even one thing I noticed is Tony Stark's monologue at the end. He's like, what a world, what like a beautiful world. I was just like, this is a very happy movie, a very positive movie. And although you lost some of the characters, they did it in such a good way where it was just such a good movie. I mean, really good movie. And because it left you feeling so good, not only about the franchise, but just happy to be existing and living. I felt like it was a really good movie. Yeah. My final comment is, as I mentioned earlier, there have been times in my Marvel fandom where I've been kind of frustrated with the franchise and even kind of bored with it, I think, even at times. And I, I know other people that have said the same thing. I'm not the only one to think that. To those people, I would say, forget all that. Go see this movie. It's going to resonate with you in ways that you don't even expect. And this is exactly what we were looking for in a Marvel film. This yeah. is... even. I actually, when I look back at the Marvel movies, the other Avengers movies are not some of my favorite Marvel movies. I mean, I, I don't know if any of them are even in my top five. And for me now, this one, it probably is my number one Marvel movie overall, actually. Uh, And it's just, I think, more well done than those other Avengers movies had been. Yeah. And just to say one more thing, I know I already had my final note, but this is something pretty significant. Every single person who has seen the movie has had the movie hyped up to them in one way or another. A friend saying it's the best movie they've ever seen. uh, An article saying it's the best movie they've ever seen. And I feel like why this movie is so good is even though, and a lot of times it's ruins movies when you have such great hype and then the movie's not mediocre and you're like, well, that wasn't that good. Even though there's all that hype around it, people still go into the theater and come out and still say it was one of the best movies I've ever seen. And so because no matter how much hype there is around the movie, it's still so good. I think it speaks volumes about the quality of the film. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Usually when people overhype things, people don't like it as much as they think they're going to. Exactly, yeah. Yes, I I agree 100%. This is... It's hyped up, but it's well-deserved. Yeah. I guess that concludes our Marvel Avengers uh, Endgame discussion. Absolutely. Amazing. Fantastic movie. So now we're going to turn to our Stuff We Love segment. Uh, Jack, should I go first? Sure. So uh, this week I'm going to mention a, a couple of clothing companies I've been enjoying. I happen to love wearing Hawaiian shirts in the spring and summer. That's one of my trademarks, actually. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I find them comfortable and I love the uh, idea that they sort of convey a vacation lifestyle. Uh, Two companies that make Hawaiian shirts that I really, really like are Tori Richard and Rain Spooner. Uh, Rain Spooner, they both have big online stores. Rain Spooner has a lot of great high quality shirts. They also have a license with Major League Baseball. So I think they have Hawaiian shirts for all Major League teams. I happen to have a couple of them. They're really comfortable and great. Uh, Tori Richard, I was not familiar with until I was in Disney World recently. I was at the Polynesian Hotel gift shop, the main store they have, and I saw this awesome Polynesian themed Hawaiian shirt. Tori Richard is the company that made it. So um, I was browsing around online and I bought a another Hawaiian shirt made by Tori Richard. I 
got it very quickly. It's extremely comfortable, soft material. Uh, visit their websites, and I think you'll be uh, very pleased. So I was looking to get some new basketball sneakers. I had some old ones I've been using for a while, and so I was looking into a bunch of different options. Obviously, you know, there's tons of different offerings from you know a lot of these really popular NBA players all make their own shoes. And so I came across the Kyrie Lowe's inspired obviously by Kyrie Irving who plays for the Boston Celtics. And I've just been extremely impressed with how uh, nice these shoes are. So I've been using them now for about like two weeks. Um, they're extremely comfortable. You know, I always have a concern when you wear sneakers and you play with them right away because they might give you blisters or something, but it was the exact opposite. They fit like a glove. They perform super well. And I'm really in love with them. So if anyone here is a basketball player who's listening or likes to play basketball or if their kid plays basketball and looking to get some basketball shoes, definitely check out the Kyrie Lowe's. I've been extremely impressed with them. And if their son's a, a guard of any type, they'd love the shoes as well. So, Jack, great recommendation. What, what company makes them? It's by Nike. By Nike? Very good. Yeah. Yeah, Nike makes great shoes. Mm-hmm. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Uh, again, we would like to thank our sponsor, Autoslash. Visit them on the web at autoslash.com to learn how you can save money on your next car rental. Please follow the podcast on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod. On Instagram, we're Stuff We Love Podcast. We have a Facebook page, which we would love for you to like. We're posting content there. Our website is stuffwelovepodcast.com. Here you can find links to our different episodes and visit our products page, where we link to things we've talked about on the show. If you click one of our Amazon affiliate links and make a purchase, it benefits the podcast. Please write to us, stuffwelovepodcast at gmail.com and tell us what you thought about Avengers Endgame. And then please leave us those good five-star reviews on iTunes. That makes it easier for others to find our podcast as well. So thanks again, everyone. If you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, go see it immediately. I am Scott. I'm Jack. And this has been the Stuff We Love Podcast.